Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So happy to be here with you today. The music in the background is from our good friend, Mr. Drew Holcomb, his new album, Dragons. Y'all, I'm not joking. I've been listening to it on my record player. I've been listening to it on Spotify while I get ready. I mean, I am like way into this record. I bet you're enjoying it too. And remember on Monday, we had our conversation with Drew as the episode. So make sure you go back and listen to that if you haven't and grab a copy of his album. I am really excited about the guest on today's show. I've been a fan of Jennifer Rothschild for years. She is like a legend. And I'm always just so honored when someone with um, such history and faith is willing to sit down and talk to me. So I just love her. She was in Nashville a couple of weeks ago. And we got to sit down and chat. So I think you're going to love this conversation with author, speaker, and one of my heroes in the faith, Jennifer Rothschild. Okay, we have to start at what I find to be the most important fact you've ever taught me. What? You're friends with Coach Mark Rick. Yes. Wait, he is like one of my heroes in life. How do y'all know them? He's a good hero to have. Yeah. Um, So it goes way back when we were both newlyweds. Okay. His wife, Catherine, and Mark, and me and my husband, Phil, we were in Tallahassee, Florida together. He was working at Florida State. Yeah, of course. Yep. And that's where my husband got his PhD. My husband's a professor. Oh, okay. Which, by the way, Annie... That means his name is Phil, so I have my own Dr. Phil. Oh, my gosh, you do have your own Dr. Phil. Right? Okay. Um, Well done. Yes. Um, But anyway, Mark and Catherine and Phil and I went to the same church. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. You'll get this, because football, right? Yes, yes. On the weekends, he'd come to church, and God bless the man. On a Sunday morning after a game on Saturday. And every man there. Wanted oh, to talk to him. Gracious. And so, of course, we were, you know, always at church together. I was also on staff at our church. So for that reason, okay. our small group Bible study was not always, we always didn't pull it off, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so we started a Bible study. Those, Mark and Catherine and another couple, we did it for seven years. So we have oh grown gosh. up with them spiritually. Yes. So they've just been some of our dearest friends. I have to tell you, when I was a sophomore at Georgia is the year he came to Athens. Oh. And he came around. I may have told this on the show before, but I don't care. I love telling the story. Mm-hmm. He came around to every campus ministry that spring, mm. and he shared his testimony, and he asked us to pray for him and to pray for the team by name. Wow. And that year, our ministry split up every football player's name and prayed for them every day for the whole school year mm. because Coach Rick asked us to. Yeah. And it just felt like, um, I feel like in 50 years, we'll see his investment at Georgia mm-hmm. in a way that will that will so eclipse anybody else. Well, yeah. And, and it'll eclipse any football fame, right? That's exactly right. Because he's invested in character. And that's the thing I love about Mark Richt is he is the real deal. Yes. I mean, 100% sincere. He loves the Lord most of all, and that's why he loves people well. And I mean, you know, he's retired now from coaching, yep. but what a man. Oh, I just, yeah. So I think go, are y'all still friends? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're still friends. As <gasps> oh long as he'll have us, we'll stay as friends. A couple of years ago, I was nominated for a K-Love Fan Award the same mm-hmm. year he was. We both mm-hmm. lost, but <laughs> it's good to be a loser I with him. I say that the biggest part of that night for me is I took a picture with Coach Rick. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I loved him so much. That's awesome. I just think the world of him. So mm-hmm. I'm so glad we already have mutual friends. Yep. See? We share a ton of people though. I mean, I, I know that you have been, am I right that you've been on the women? 
Women of Joy yes. group of ladies. Yes. I just did that for the first time this spring, and I love those people. Aren't they the best people? Yes. Yeah, I mean, they're the real deal, too. And those women who attend Women of Joy are fantastic. Yes. It's mm-hmm. amazing. You just kind of don't know about Women of Joy until you're in the middle of it. Like, as in, you don't know what it's like until you've gone. I mean, right. that's the truth of anywhere. Right. But, but man, I, I am grateful. I got to go to one in speak at one in April and I I'm, I'm, I get to be at it again in 2020, but good man, they are just, is that one, when you think about all the places you speak, what makes that one kind of stand out to you? Well, you know, it's headed up by the Waldrops, yes. Phil Waldrop and his wife, Debbie. And I think that leadership makes such a difference. Mm-hmm. So there is such a genuineness in their intentionality and in their mission. Mm-hmm. And and so it's consistent in every person on the crew, in every person on staff. And then there's a sweet spirit. I don't know if you sense this, Annie, but anytime I do a Women of Joy, I sense that these women, I know they're physically not, but spiritually, they are like on the edge of their seats. They are, yeah. And you can sense it. But and, it's 10,000 of them well, yeah. all leaning forward. <laughs> yes. That's the part. Yes. <laughs> And there's just an, a sweet energy and the worship there. The mm-hmm. worship to me is set apart too. Charles yeah. Billingsley, I guess he led yep. worship. Yeah. For sure he did. Oh my gosh. He's so talented. Yeah. It's just like light a match and the place catches on yeah, fire. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. I mean, I've, I told him afterwards, I was like, man, I could have walked up and read the phone book and the Lord was mm-hmm. moving because of you. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. just lucky I get to be here. This is just <laughs> incredible. Uh, how much do you travel and speak? Well, I am out. Um, I try to do a little less every year, a mm-hmm. little more targeted every year. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have our own conference called Fresh Grounded Faith. Oh, wow. So we do 13 of those a year. <gasps> no. Yeah. 13 a uh, year? Yes. So we've got a little team. The team is probably too small for the amount we do. They are right. hard workers. But they're region-wide. I call them kingdom-minded. Yeah. Region-wide. And so we have a host venue church that's larger, you know, sits sure. about 2,000. But then the best part is all these smaller churches come together and co-host it. Yeah. You know, and so great. it belongs to every woman. Yep. And uh, so we do 13 of those a year. It's not just Across me. the U.S.? Yeah. Okay. I do the Bible teaching, but we also have other guests to lead worship and share story and do teaching. Mm-hmm. So it's a really sweet event. And then I do, you know, other events like you mentioned, yep. Women of Joy and other events like that. Tell me how long you've been doing this full time as your profession. Oh, law. Um, well, I don't know when I slid from it being just a saying yes to opportunities to mm-hmm. becoming a profession. You right. Know, that line is blurry. Are we still just saying yes to opportunities? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, right. It feels I'm like still it. hoping someday I'll wake up and realize it's a profession. That's right. Um, <laughs> But about 20 years ago, literally, um, I just had been invited to share my testimony. And I'll mm-hmm. tell you, I'll give you this little snapshot of how this started. Sure. Because truly, I believe ministry is something we uh, receive. Mm. We don't okay, achieve. Okay, teach me about that. Okay, we yep. don't achieve it. We receive it. Now, once you and receive And that's public it, or private. That's, in, that's on a stage or a servant in the nursery or church. Amen. And okay. by the way, those are equivalent in God's sight. Yeah, no kidding. You show up and you're obedient and you do what he's called you to do, that's success. Oh, listen, I've said to multiple people, when we get to heaven, I'm the one cutting the grass. Amen. I know my spot. The mm-hmm. ones who've been serving the same church for 40 years as the pastor mm-hmm. or as the children's director or mm-hmm. someone who's been teaching public school or working in a prison or a nurse, they are all got way better seats up there than me. Yep, amen. Yeah. Well, it was. Uh, I had done a conference. This was many years ago, and I, I started in ministry in music. Okay. And so I was leading worship from a little keyboard. You know, I travel and carry. This was in South Florida. And there was this little known Bible teacher who was speaking. Her name was Beth Moore. (laughs) Just a little name. Just a little name. We hope something comes of her. Yeah, God bless her. just really believe in her. And so evidently at this particular conference, someone asked her to speak at their church. 
and she wasn't available, so they asked me. Okay. And my husband said yes for me because mm-hmm. he's always had more confidence in me than mm-hmm. I've had in myself. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's really how I began. And so I, I started sharing, teaching a little bit. And you know, Annie, it's one of those things. I don't know if it's the way with you, but you step into something that God has asked you to do and you're obedient and then you realize you're qualified. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. So I think sometimes we wait to feel confident to act with courage or we mm. or we wait to feel qualified to say yes. And sometimes when God calls us to say yes, we just say yes. And then it's like you become the spectator and you go, oh, I didn't know I could do that. Yeah. And it's because God does it through you. So that's yes. kind of where my story started. That's beautiful. My very first professional speaking event was because Candace Cameron Bure wasn't able to be there. Yeah. So thank you, Beth. And thank you, Candace. Ex- because <laughs> we both exist in this job because of one, you weren't able to say yes. I, I think about, I wonder if you do too. I think about that when I have to say no to events mm. where I go, man, I'm excited for whoever... Right. The right woman is for this event because it's mm-hmm. not me. That's right. But there's someone out that there's a woman that is waiting for a chance like I was. Well, and you know, for those of us who it's hard to say no, we have to remember that our no might be somebody else's yes. Yeah. So we don't need to be so great. greedy, you know, oh, and be okay great. with just saying, okay, I can't yeah. and that's okay. So do you, did you, so, I mean, I guess if you started in South Florida when you were young, Beth Moore, all that, is it like the 90s? Yeah. Yeah. Mid eighties, okay. okay. Late, no, you're right. Late eighties. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, man, mm-hmm. that is it. So you've been doing full time ministry for thirty years. Yeah, almost. I can't believe it. Okay, tell me why you haven't quit yet. Um, because I, I, well, number one, I haven't seen it as something that I choose to quit or not ah, or okay. do. Right. <laughs> it's just the opportunities to say yes and to follow God. But here's the thing: it looks different now mm. than it looked, and than it looked 30 years ago. But at the same time, too, Annie, I think the impulse to quit is still there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and that's usually not because the calling has changed. It's maybe because I am not managing the calling in the way mm. that I could. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we get caught in the machine of ministry, and mm-hmm. I think that's whether it's on a larger scale or a smaller scale. Ministry is demanding, and we see the merit of it, and so sometimes we fail to see that we're not integral. We think, mm. if I don't exist within this ministry, then this ministry can't exist, and when we get that mentality, I think we can wear ourselves out and feel like, you know, okay, I got I just got it. I can't do this anymore, and I think where God has transitioned me in the last few years, because I have been as busy as ever with writing mm-hmm. and speaking and, and doing these conferences, mm-hmm. is to recognize that I'm not necessary for this mm-hmm. to exist, mm-hmm. that, that God is. And when I can just go, okay, you know, part of the way I do this is I, I misquote the scripture, okay? <laughs> okay, good, I'm ready. All right, here's We're how I do it. all about heretical things Okay, here, good, so okay, good. so here's how I misquote. <laughs> Philippians 4.13. Yep. I can't mm. do anything without Christ who strengthens me. Oh, I like that. And so I think for many years, I was like, yes, I can do this. Right. I can do this. Right. And, and, and it's true, I can do all things through God's strength. But until I really reverse that reality and say, well, but bottom line is I cannot do this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can't do ministry. I can't do life. I can't do marriage. I can't do blindness. I can't do parenting. I can't do any of it without Christ who gives me strength. Right. Then I'm freed up to be able to do it better and to yeah. do it well and do it for the long haul. Yeah. You mentioned it in there that the blindness, you haven't been blind this whole time, Mm-mm. right? What year did you start losing your sight? I was actually a teenager. Oh, okay. 15. So I'm 55 now. And so I, um, which is also surprising that, <laughs> <laughs> when did that happen? Right. <laughs> um, but I've lived now in physical darkness 
longer than I li- lived in physical sight, you know, oh, which is, wow. so, so what's interesting about that, I became blind because of a disease in both of my eyes called retinitis pigmentosa and it's degenerative. So when, when it first started, you know, I, I couldn't see my textbooks very well. I couldn't see, I was a student, of course, mm-hmm. um, couldn't see off the chalkboard well. Um, my facial features began to just kind of fade. I couldn't see my face. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of very subtle changes that began to occur real quickly. Mm-hmm. And I was declared legally blind as a 10th grader. Oh, wow. So, of course, my whole world, you know, changed and yeah. was draped in shadows. Had to learn how to be a student without being mm-hmm. able to see and mm-hmm. navigate all those changes. But it it wasn't very long. It's hard to detect exactly when mm-hmm. I became totally blind. But somewhere in my late 20s to mid 30s, I'm not sure when, yeah. it just became dark. And so now that's my reality. Um, and so it's, of course, the hardest thing I deal with, yeah. so even on my best days. So it's not, um, you can't see anything. It's just totally dark. Right. Do you dream in pictures? Yes. Okay. I do. And I, but I don't dream a ton. Um, but when I do, yes. But here's what's interesting about that. There's never faces. <laughs> really? So even if I'm able to, in a dream, there I detect a person, you know, I never see a face, which I think is such an interesting, interesting and disappointing Mm. reality. Mm -hmm. Because when you think about it, um, I saw faces very clearly. Yeah. And I've never seen my children, never seen my husband, but like my mom and dad and my brothers, I saw those faces. And so to not even have the memory of those reinforced in, even in a dream is kind of a you know, it's, it's, it, it, to me, it's an, it exacerbates the loss. Yeah. But I remember many years ago when that reality, it just, it was a rest, it was a reality I wrestled with a lot when I, when I realized I couldn't remember my daddy's face mm-hmm. or I couldn't remember my mom's face. Those, they was painful. And I, and I had to really wrestle through that. But I will say, I always try to find a hope hook, right? To put mm-hmm. all the pain on, mm-hmm. <laughs> not as a Pollyanna. But yes. just as a realistic way to get through the day. Right. And so for me, I realized that that meant, you know, that when I really see, because I really believe in heaven, mm-hmm. I will see, really, the face of Jesus will be the first one I'll see clearly, <laughs> yeah. I'll recognize. I mean, that's that kind of helps shift the shift the loss, the my perspective of the loss. And so that's that helps me. That's how I get through that. Yeah. Um, that the loss really represents a greater gain eventually. Yep. Eventually. Uh do you pray for healing? Not really. Mm-mm. Mm. I used to. Yeah. I've gone through seasons of greater discontent. And that's when my prayers for healing get higher right. up on the list. But I did learn many years ago that contentment for me. This is for me personally. Yeah. Had less to do with blindness <laughs> and had more to do with just me being cranky or selfish mm. or whatever it may be. And so I went through a season where I really asked the Lord. I was studying Philippians 2, you know, where the, where Paul talks about I've been in this situation. I've had lack. I've had loss. I've had plenty. And I've learned the secret to being content. And it really has nothing to do with where I am or what I've got, whatever state I'm in. And I began to really pray through that. What did that mean for me? Mm-hmm. And so I learned that when I began to pray for contentment, pure, godly, spiritual contentment, then if I really was able to learn that uh-huh. and to be content, then if I'm healed, 
then I'm in a good situation, right? Oh, but if wow. I never learn contentment and I'm healed, then I'm just a, a miserable blind woman because mm, I've never learned contentment in, right. you know? So, right. so that's why I don't, I don't really pray for healing anymore because God's brought me to a place of contentment and I trust his sovereignty. Mm. Talk to me about, I, I was reading this morning in second Corinthians where Paul says that whole thorn in the flesh thing mm -hmm. where he's like, it's actually in my weaknesses that God's made strong. And the Lord kind of was pushing on me about like being more content in my own weaknesses mm. a little bit. Yeah. How has that played? Does that feel true for you? Does this feel thorny or does it f not feel that way to you? It, it, blindness definitely feels thorny. And I've studied this scripture a lot because blindness is not my biggest problem. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yes. So that's how I feel about singleness, by the way. Singleness is not my biggest problem. But, right. but the outside world would look at me and think that it is. Exactly. Yeah. Those are just the more obvious things, yes. right? That yes. we think that should be the struggle. I think the real struggles show up in those big headliner struggles, yeah, sure. right? Yeah. So I, I do believe God's strength has shown up in our weakness, but not necessarily inherently. Ah, okay. I think it's how we manage that weakness, what we do with that weakness, whether we're willing to surrender that weakness. Yeah. And so when Paul, in that passage you're talking about in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, it goes on to say, most gladly, therefore, this will be a little King James. Yeah, here, okay? I like it. But I like the way he says it. Um, most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast in my weakness that Christ's strength would be made perfect right there. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that word boast, that literally, if you look at like back, if you rewind to the original Greek, what you're going to see there, it's almost this image of the chin being lifted. Ah. And it's almost this sense of, I'm going to have a little bit of a holy confidence in this thing that should beat me down. I'm going to just lift my chin up and I'm going to have some strength and some confidence there because I know that how I manage this and how I walk through this, God's strength is going to boost me and bolster me and make something of this that is far more than the loss. Mm. And so I know for me, I have to constantly remind myself, okay, Jennifer, you can either lament about the weakness, you can wallow in the weakness, you can fall down and let the weakness crush you, or you can say, I'm just going to lift my chin up and say, here we are, God. Yeah, I'm fully here in my weakness today. And then it takes the pressure off. Yeah. Because you're no longer in weakness management mode. Right. right? And you're not hiding. Because you're, you're not. If you're in weakness management mode, you're also in hiding mode. And you're compensating. Yes. No. And you can just rest. I've in heard it. something about that. I don't know much about it myself, <laughs> but. <laughs> Man, that's incredible. I would love for you to tell me about how you study the Bible on your own. Do you, do you have an audiobook that reads to you or mm -hmm. and do you journal? Tell me about your spiritual disciplines in mm -hmm. your life. Well, I do. Um, so I have a computer that talks, a laptop. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's actually a software called JAWS. Okay. And so it can animate or make any computer read to you, right? Yeah. And so that's how I write books. Yeah, I was going to say, is that how you do your books mm -hmm. too? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So if it were here right now, it annoys people. Usually I tune it out, but I can hear every <laughs> key I hit. So it's like A-T-L-L-O-A-N-N-I-E, you know? Oh, okay. Except the voice is not human, it's synthesized. So <laughs> anyway, um, but that's how I write. And, and so my prayers I have found for me, I am more focused if I write out my prayers. Me too. So literally every day, that's what I do. So I okay. type out my you prayers. You type them out. Mm -hmm. And so that then becomes for me a genuine in the moment relationship with God, but it also becomes for me a, a, a history, an archive. Yes. So I can look back. And so I do that. As far as studying the Bible, I have a couple of Bible apps that I use mm -hmm. um, devotionally. Yeah. 
There's one Bible app I am absolutely crazy about called Dwell. I don't know it. Dwell. Okay. Oh, I, I'm such an advocate. Um, it is not free, but it is worth your investment in their ministry because okay. of the quality that they do. But it's several different humans okay. <laughs> who read, and they have different accents. And then there's music. You can change the music that accompanies mm-hmm. it. Um, it's searchable. And then they put things together on, on plans. So that's what I use devotionally. Yeah. I have one like that that I use called Pray As You Go. Oh, okay. And they read it to you, and then they ask you questions, and they read you a scripture again, and then they say, glory be to the Father. And then- Oh, I love that. So it's that same. I like that, though. I'll try dwell, too. Yeah, and it's nice to have another human kind of companion. (laughs) Yes, I think the same thing. I like, and all the ones on Pray As You Go are British. They're from all different parts Mm -hmm. of Britain. Mine's South African. Okay, there you go. Scripture just sounds better. Yeah, I agree. When it's not my accent. (laughs) We'll link to all of these in the show notes so people can go and find them for themselves. But yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Yep. And then I just- use dwell every morning. I use dwell every morning devotionally. And then because I'm because I write and write Bible studies mm-hmm. and, and I, I'm a learner. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I can't use traditional software sure. like a lot of would who study the Bible. But I'm really dig dead authors. Okay. And they're all public domain. And so yes. I can use the Internet and Google and Gutenberg and all these different ways to access. Um, so, I, I, you know, that's Matthew Henry and I are buds. Yeah. So you just Google their and <laughs> you'll Google just Google topics. their names and then they'll read their books to you. And then you'll mm-hmm. take pieces and go, OK, here's what I want to journal yeah. off of that or books I want to write off of that. And Yep. Yep. Wow. So it's all I mean, technology. Oh, what right. would I do? What, yeah, it, what would I do? I think that all the time. I think, mm-hmm. how did people study the Bible on a day on a daily basis like you and I attempt to do? I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't do it every day, but that I try mm-hmm. without Google. <laughs> no. Because even today, what, what happens to me so much, and maybe God just is gracious with us, but what happens to me so much is I'll be sitting there reading something else and I go, this reminds me mm. that Paul said something about a thorn in his flesh. I don't remember where that is. And I Google it. I know. And it tells me, 2 Corinthians 12. Well, I think that's why I marvel at some of these dead authors. Uh-huh. Because I'm like, they didn't have all that. No. And they just had the discipline of staying in the Word and studying and studying. And I mean, I, I marvel at it. I do too. I just marvel. And I'm so grateful. Oh, We're me so too. grateful. I'm just so... So who else do you love to read that's dead? C.S. Lewis. Oh. I do have a crush on him. I <laughs> Your husband's very handsome, by the way. I'm sure people have told you Thank before. You. So you should just keep Dr. Phil. I will keep but, him. And he's not threatened since right. C.S. Lewis is dead. Very dead. He's very dead. <laughs> uh, what is it about C.S. Lewis's writing that's so interesting to you? Well, you know, I've, of course, I'd always heard of him, but about five years ago, seven years ago, I fell into a deep depression. And I Mm. say fell because it was not a just, you know, fall from the edge into a pit quickly, but it was like slide down within nine months till I was at the bottom and couldn't find my way up. Right. And that's not been my thing. Okay. It's just not. Do you know your Enneagram number? No, I don't. Okay. Yeah. It's not my thing either. You feel a little, I'm a seven. You feel a little 70 with me. Uh, do but I? Yeah. 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 Like okay. depression sneaks up on us because that we don't do that. No, we I don't, don't stay sad. Dude, my maiden name was Jolly. Okay. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I'm just saying it's not You were my born thing. with it. Right. Okay. <laughs> right. So you fall into it. So I did. And it just really, so I did everything I thought to do, right? Mm-hmm. I pray, I journal, I stop drinking caffeine, I yep. start taking this herb, I rest, yep. more, whatever. I did everything I needed to do. And I, during that point, I, everything within me became unmoored, okay? Oh, wow. So as much as I loved God, and He had been my lifeline, mm-hmm. started to doubt um, His existence. Well, first it was His character. Sure. And then it was His existence. Yep. And then I was like, well, I know Jesus lived, but was He really divine? I mean, everything that had stabilized me, I started to question and doubt. 
but within me, I was still praying, God, help me. Okay, God, help me. Yeah. And that's when I found C.S. Lewis, A Grief Observed. And I just started yes. dabbling. And then as the more I learned his story and realized he was an atheist, who then became a deist, who then finally came to true belief in Christ and his mm-hmm. whole life was mm-hmm. saved and he was born again. And we all know the result of that. I literally asked God, help him, let me make C.S. Lewis my authoritative guide. He was ah. a million times smarter than me. So even though I can't trust you right now, God, and so even though I'm not believing right. in him, I'm praying to him, right? It makes right. no sense. But let me trust C.S. Lewis and he's going to lead me through this. And that's when I fell in love with him. Mm. And God mm-hmm. did use him to help me get back to where I was in a place of faith, which of course then became stronger and deeper. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so, yes, so now I have this deep affection for C.S. Lewis and I love everything about him. Fiction and nonfiction? Both, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, Where should we start? If someone's brand new to C.S. Lewis, we have some some friends listening who don't believe everything we believe, who are kind of new to all this. Where would you start with C.S. Lewis? Well, when someone's really seeking to understand Christianity, of course, mere Christianity is a good place to start. But let me give my caveat, okay? Okay. It was a series of radio shows that he did during Uh, World War II. Interesting. So you're going to experience two things. Like, one, it feels like it is very much World War II vernacular. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Okay? So mm -hmm. remember the era which which he wrote it, but also he didn't write it as a book. And there's a difference between something you speak and something you write. Yeah. And so there's parts of it that might be clumpity. So you have to kind of make sure you're aware of that so that you don't get turned off. Imagine him reading it to you versus you reading it. On the radio, sitting there in your home in 1940. Yeah, that's exactly Um, right. But my favorite fiction of his is The Great Divorce. Have you ever read it, Annie? Yes, I love The Great Divorce. I love The Great Divorce. Yeah. And to me, it's a real picture so much of the grace of God. Mm -hmm. So I would recommend that if somebody's a fiction reader, read it. See what you think about it, and then ask somebody who's read it. It'd That's be a right. great discussion That's to right. have. I love screw tape letters too. Oh, I do too. I just think that that nothing will get. I have a pretty pretty wide justice streak in me, mm-hmm. and nothing will get me fired up <laughs> like reading from the the other the enemy's camp yes. and what I'm like. They knew they were doing that to me. <laughs> we are. I mean, you know, it's that jump the, jump the shark moment where you go like, oh wait. He jumped the shark. Now I know, you know, <laughs> so that lights me up. Okay. You said something I think is really interesting for all of us who are readers and Googlers and all mm-hmm. sorts of things. You said, I came across C.S. Lewis's writing. Mm-hmm. How did you end up coming across his writing? How do you find new authors? How did that happen to you? Well, you know, you can always go to some of the websites where, um, what is the website where people talk about the books they've read? Um, I know what you're talking about. I don't want to go there because they have so many reviews. Good reads. Good reads. That's it. Anyway, so I... It scares I, me. They say so many things about our books, Jennifer. Well, I don't read of what they say about <laughs> yeah. mine, quite honestly. Me either. I can't. But I just went there and did books about grief. But that's ah, the other thing I did because okay. I thought... I felt like I was grieving. Books about grief. And so I literally just Googled books about grief and it took me to Goodreads and I found, of course, a grief observed. I yes, mean, yes. Um, so that was part of the way that I did it. That's brilliant. Just telling Mm -hmm. people, I mean, I think that even little tricks like that of like, if you want to read a book, go to Amazon and Google Christian books about grief (laughs) and see what comes up. It's that simple. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. trust the reviews to some degree. Like Mm -hmm. if there's eight reviews or if there's 8,000 reviews, probably lean toward the 8,000 reviews book, you know, even if it's four stars versus five stars. Exactly. But I just love, one thing you're doing so beautifully for us today is what does it look like to every day walk with the Lord? Like, just what does it look like? And when you're in grief, it looks like Googling something. Exactly. I think we over-spiritualize yes. the way we think we need to do life if we're Christians, when I believe if you are a believer in Christ, 
everything becomes spiritual, mm, mm-hmm. right? That's what Madeline Lingle would say, right? Like okay, it's, yeah. it's all, everything is it's all sacred. His. It is, yeah. And so whatever tools the Lord has put before us, mm-hmm. that's what we use. Mm-hmm. But I also think that one of the things we should never do, though Google is a gift and anything online is a gift. We never use that as a substitute for real human relationship oh. that may connect us, but that does not give us community yes. and real healing and real bravery occurs in community. Yes. And so when you can talk to somebody who actually, you know, has skin on them and a voice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that sounds like yours, that's what you, that's the first place mm-hmm, we go mm-hmm. whenever we're searching and struggling. How do you find those people? Well, I think you have to be, allow yourself to be in community, mm-hmm. which I know you've written about being brave. And yeah, sometimes I, I think it. one of the things we do being brave is we put ourselves out there. Yeah. And, um, I believe the best place for that is the place God designed, mm-hmm. which is the church, mm-hmm. because Jesus died for the church, and we are His best. We are His best effort on earth yeah. to let people know who He yeah. is and what He's like. Yeah. So we connect ourselves with the church. We don't try to find a perfect church. We join a church and we help perfect. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the process of being the body of Christ. Because if it's perfect and you show up, yeah. guess what? This on not not anymore. <laughs> it's not perfect anymore. <laughs> All right, friends, just interrupting this conversation to tell you about my friends over at Samaritan Ministries Healthcare Sharing. Basically, if I have a medical expenses, over 80,000 Christian households have my back. And each month I'm part of getting someone else's back in the midst of their medical need. Samaritan Ministries itself simply coordinates Christians committed to helping each other bear the burden of medical expenses. Here's how it works. So each month I receive a notification via email telling me who to send my money to and how they need prayer. I send my money when Jenna reminds me to because I need help remembering all the things. Um, And sometimes that's including an encouraging note and I lift their prayer request up to the Lord. And then if I I have a medical need, other members will do the same thing for me. You may be like, Annie, can it really be that easy? And that's what I'm telling y'all. It totally is for real. Samaritan Ministries bases their healthcare sharing model on the lifestyle of the earliest Christians in Acts 2, 42 through 47. And it's an incredible example of the gospel in action in the world of healthcare. Of course, it also doesn't hurt that it's crazy affordable. The monthly cost ranges somewhere from $100 to $555, depending on your age or household size and the membership options you choose. So learn more and sign up at SamaritanMinistries.org slash That Sounds Fun. That's SamaritanMinistries.org slash That Sounds Fun. Now back to my conversation with Jennifer. I had a friend reach out to me on Instagram a couple of weeks ago and say, um, I love your podcast, but it's very hard for me because I don't know how to make friends and you mm. always have friends on. And I, what would you say to her about how you go out into the world and make friends? Well, I'm bad at it. Are you? Yeah. So I'll, I'll give a thumbs up to your friend because I'm an introvert. Okay. And um, you're doing great today. I feel like we're friends. I mean, I feel like you jumped right in. Well, thank you. Yeah, we're having, I'm having a great time. <laughs> well, and I'm I'm better with one-on-one, to be okay, honest with okay. you. Um, groups, my husband, I'm married to a Labrador retriever, right? Uh-huh. So he just bounds into a room <laughs> and wants to lick and hug everybody and have them pet him. Um, so, but for me personally, it's hard for me to reach out. And, and then you've got this added layer of complexity of blindness. Sure. So when I say, hey, you want to go shopping? I feel like such a burden because it means mm. they drive that I'm just in, have an ulterior motive for getting my needs met, right? So I overcomplicate everything. Yeah. When I was going through that season of depression, I knew intuitively, of course, I was isolating, and I yeah. knew I had to reach out. 
So I remember asking these two friends, hey, you want to go to dinner? They didn't know what I was going through. And I literally chickened out, Annie. Did you? Like three hours before, I said, I have a terrible headache. Well, I did have a terrible headache because yes. I had worked myself into a stress headache. That's right. But I made myself do it again. And we went mm. out to dinner and I never even told them, I'm really struggling. It just was too soon for that. So I think yeah. part of it is when you take the pressure of ourselves, do something easy mm. and then do make sure you do it. easy. And, and you don't make quit. Sure you do it. Yeah. I mean, if you fail, do you do it again? Yeah. And and if it requires finding somebody that you can be really honest with and mm-hmm. say, I'm such an introvert, this is so painful. Yeah. Will you go out to lunch with me? We love people who are real, not people who are perfect. Yes. And so you give another person permission to be human when you are. Yeah. And so um, I would say to that friend, I've done it. You can do it. I promise. Yes. You just got to do it. Yes. It's hard. There's no big formula except just do it. That's right. I, I had the most interesting experience on Good Friday because I went to, we don't have a Good Friday service at my church. So I went to another church's Good Friday service. I had a friend in the car with me and I still got nervous when I got out of the car. Really? How and come? I was like, just because I didn't know where to sit and I didn't know oh. which door we were supposed to go in. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I went, oh, this is how everyone feels <laughs> the first time they go to a building, like a yeah. church or yeah. a meeting or a, you know. I thought, man, I'm so grateful the Lord circles us back into those moments. Mm-hmm. Like my friend who reached out on Instagram saying, I don't know how to make friends. I'm going, man, I, we all experience that. We do. I was so nervous walking into a church and I had someone in the car with me. <laughs> I was you know, still nervous. I have a friend, um, you know who Lisa Welchel is? Yes, of course. Okay. All right. I mean, well, I don't. I know her now well, as we a grown-up, but I for sure knew her when Blair. she was on Blair. Right? <laughs> yeah, when she was Blair on uh, Facts of Life. Well, she has written a book. It's a couple of years old, but it's called Friendship for Grown-Ups. Oh, wow. And the reason she wrote it is for the very reason of what your friend asked on Instagram. Okay. How do I make friends? I'm nervous. I don't know how to make friends. Yep. Well, here she was as a grown-up, right? Right. <laughs> and she really didn't learn how to make friends because she grew up on TV with a cast. Right. So here she was as a grown-up trying to navigate how to make friends when she felt nervous and uncomfortable and how do you approach and how do you not be too much for somebody. Right. It's a really good book. Okay. Friendship as adults. Yeah. Friendship for grownups. Sorry. Friendship for grownups. Annie will have a link (laughs) on the show Annie will have a link. That's exactly right. (laughs) And now we're going to call Blair. Now we're going to get Lisa Welch on the show to come tell us how to be friends. I just think, I think you're right. There is, there's a gift of Instagram, Twitter, Facebook for some people that, Mm That is, I feel connected to other humans, but mm-hmm. I haven't left my house in a week. Right. It's not community. And it's not, it's just not the long-term solution. I totally get it because there are friends of mine that I don't ever get to see, but I get to see them on Instagram mm-hmm. and see how their kids are and go like, so then when I am in Austin, Texas and I see them, I go, oh, I, you know, I've been keeping up. Yeah. You but feel connected. But if I never show up in Austin, Texas, yeah, what, what are you doing? You yeah, know? Yeah. So, so I'm with you. I think the first thing our friends can do that want to make more friends is read Lisa's book. Yeah. But also do something that's easy and stick with it and actually do it. And actually do it. One dinner, mm-hmm. one conversation, one take me shopping, mm-hmm. go with me shopping, all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Okay. How many books have you written all together? I think 14. Oh, my gracious. Yeah, 14, I What's think. What's the most recent? Uh, well, I just finished a Bible study on okay. Psalm 23. Yes, I have it right here in front of me. That's oh, the one I have. Yeah. The cover is beautiful. It's like this. It looks... I used to live in Scotland. so That's it has where this, it like, is. Oh, is it? it? I was about to say, it looks like Scotland. Yes. I didn't know you lived in Scotland. Yes. I lived in Edinburgh for part uh, for about eight months. Oh, how wonderful. I love it. Why did y'all do the cover in Scotland? I don't know. <laughs> I'm blind. But you love it. <laughs> I care about the words. They can do whatever they want with the cover. <laughs> I've done over 200 episodes and that's my favorite answer ever. 
I don't care. I'm blind. So the cover can be 19 colors and I do not care. I didn't know if there was a connection with Scotland for you that you no, really no. love. No, I think that just, just so the, happened. the pastoral scene with yes, the sheep. I yes. think they wanted it. You know, it's very green pastures, right? Yep. What made The whole thing is green, by the way. Mm. Um, tell me what made you decide to write a Bible study on Psalm 23. Well, you know, I actually, this was two years ago, mm-hmm. I had planned to write a Bible study on the book of Haggai, which is, by oh. the way, what I'm doing now. Yes, okay. I would love to do a book on, a study oh, on that. It's going to be good. It's going to be out in July of 2020. And oh, perfect. I can't wait. And that's we'll what I'm remind everybody. Okay. Yep. Good. But I was writing it back in January, two years ago. And as I was writing it, I was working on my computer, right? Uh-huh. And it gets silent. And I hate it when my computer gives me the silent treatment. Yeah. So I'm pushing every button and I'm trying to talk nice to it. Nothing. I take it down to my husband. He was downstairs. And I'm like, what is wrong with my laptop? And he said, it's the blue screen of death. Oh, no. And it was. Oh, gosh. And I lost everything. And long, <gasps> Wait, miserable. y'all never got it back? No. Jennifer. We took it to every geek known to man and the hard drive was empty. and It was terrible. Oh, my gosh. Back up. Back up your stuff, people. Anyway. Right. Rebecca Lyons lost, left a laptop in the back of a... Compute, like in the back of a flight seat. Oh, yeah? And her whole book was on it and never got it back. And she never got it. Okay, it's a bad thing. Yeah. But it can lead to good things. Because yes. when I lost Haggai, I, now here's the thing, Annie, my, my computer is not just where I work, but it's my brain. Mm-hmm, like it's everything. Mm-hmm, right. And so I remember, and I got sick right after that. So I was laying on the red couch in our living room, yep. no laptop, and I was just uh, nothing to read to me. I was like in this mind mm-hmm. vacuum. And I remember laying there sick, quoting Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And I would quote it over and over. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, even though it might look like a red couch right now. Right. I mean, he had really brought me to a four stop. And bottom line is I was burnt out. I was worn out. And so it was from that moment that God began to teach me. And Psalm 23 is seven verses. Yeah. And I've written a whole Bible study. And I thought when I started it, Lord, really, I want to do Haggai. I want to get it back. And yeah. But this is where the Lord led me. And the cool thing is, wow. I have seen how he's used it in women's lives in ways I could have never imagined. And it wasn't, I was almost embarrassed. Like, who writes a Bible study on the most familiar psalm known to right, man, right? Right, right, And it's because it's so rich. It's God's words. It's living. It's active. The Holy Spirit teaches through it. Yeah. And I'm still learning from it. And so I'm very grateful. Very talk, grateful. talk a little bit about when you get a, detour like that Mm -hmm. because that's happened in everybody's life i don't know that 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 hasn't happened with me in a book but that's happened with me in relationships or in other work things where like you are so sure you're on the right path and then literally all of a sudden the path changes Mm -hmm. and before but talk to me about the days between haggai and psalm 23 i know right well you think the detour is just that but what i'm learning is the detour can be the path Mm. and so I was not a spiritual paragon laying on my red couch with the flu with no computer. Sure. I was just quoting scripture as a, you know, way to not like say bad things. To cope. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> right. And so here's here's the thing that I think we also need to be aware of is well, it's in verse three of Psalm twenty three. The Lord restores our soul, and it says, Then he leads us down paths of righteousness for his namesake. So sometimes we think we know the destination of our path. And therefore, when a detour happens, we feel like we need to, you know, navigate all those orange cones and get back onto the path. When really, if the destination of our path is at the end of Psalm 23, 3, for his namesake, right. for God's glory, 
then where what what we think might be the detour can actually become that path because what's for God's glory will always be for our good, right? Yeah. Yep. So what do you do when you're there and you don't have all that spiritual revelation? Mm-hmm. I think is that's when you do the Second Corinthians five seven. You just keep walking by faith. Uh, you just walk by faith because if ultimately you're saying God, this path is your path for your glory, and so. I'm going to believe it's a, a right path. Yeah. You know, even if it doesn't feel right. Right. John Piper calls um, a path of righteousness a right path with the right attitude. Oh, right. So I think that's <laughs> where I was learning when I was in that season is to not assume that the detour is really a detour when it might be the path, but mm-hmm. also align my attitude. Yeah. You know, just to say, okay, I'm going to just grasp loosely here and mm-hmm. I'm going to lo- walk humbly, Lord, and I'm going to just keep walking by faith, truly not by sight, because it's not where I thought I'd be. Yeah. And I, I think it's a process that we just, one day at a time, just doing the next right thing at the next right moment. Yeah, tell me what you know about that scripture, walk by faith and not by sight, that I don't know. <laughs> well, I do know with um, with blindness, um, in fact, my first book was called Lessons yes. I Learned in the Dark, right? It's right here beside me as well, Lesson okay. I, Steps to Walking by Faith, Not by Sight. Oh, that's the subtitle. Sorry. Hello. You guys, that was not on purpose, but that's a good that's a good move on my part. That was a great you segue. Your book. Yes. I didn't mean to. I just wanted to know. <laughs> well, see, there you go. Thank you. But But that's really where I realized as I began to walk in blindness, it became so much um, faith lessons for me mm. because I realized faith really is the evidence of that which is not seen, right? Yeah. And and I'm not one who's like this big believer that faith is always blind. Yeah. <laughs> because I believe that God sometimes does enlighten, like it says in Ephesians, the eyes of our hearts, so that we can really see the hope to which we're called. Well, when your eyes are enlightened so that you see the hope to which you're called and the riches of the inheritance that we have in Christ and in the body of Christ, then that step of faith is one that is really affirmed by this spiritual insight that you Mm -hmm. have, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, but sometimes it's not like that. And it's just a true, I'm going to take a step of faith, knowing that I can't see what's next, but if I trust that God does, then I'm going to step. So in blindness, literally, like when I walk in here today, of course, I'm holding on to my husband, I've got a cane, but I cannot see the step that is in front of me. But I'm trusting that where Andy does her podcast, it's a smooth level floor. So I'm not going to be terrified every step I take because I trust Annie that she's got a safe environment, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So if we're walking by faith, we can't see what's next. We trust God, the one who's leading us down the path, that he's got a safe next step for us and we can trust him to just take it. So for me, I think blindness is this constant classroom to really learn these lessons of what it means to walk by faith. How can I learn those as a seeing person? I think part of what sight does for us that is to our detriment is that it gives us the illusion of control. (laughs) Yeah. And a sense of responsibility for everything that exists Mm -hmm. around us. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's one of the hardest things about blindness, quite honestly, is that I have to trust other people. Right. I mean, I, I, you know, you look in the mirror and you decide, yeah, I like this hair color. Yeah. Right? I don't look in a mirror. I trust my hairstylist. I trust my husband. I trust everybody. I was going to say, who does your makeup? Because it's very good. Well, I do my own makeup. <gasps> you do your own makeup? <laughs> yes. That is so impressive. <laughs> I was going to give Dr. Phil some cred for knowing how to do eyeliner. No, he, he checks it for me. Yeah. Because, but I all do it by counting. Like, so I know how many oh. times, you know, to count for my mascara and <gasps> eyeliner. And, uh, but if I lose count, of course, that's why he is always checking to make sure. Yes. <laughs> Jennifer Rothschild, you're brilliant. You <laughs> count to put on your makeup. You li- you literally like paint by number. That's I, what you do to your face. You paint by numbers. Yes. That's what Meredith Andrews says I do. Paint by numbers. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, how much do you love Mayor, by the way? Isn't she the best? Does she have a deep, rich, beautiful soul? Yes. I yeah. mean, her episode is one of people's favorites on here. She and I toured together oh. uh, 2012 through 14 with Girls of Grace. Mm, mm-hmm. And it, she was just one of the highlights of that whole experience. I yeah. just love Oh, she her. makes my heart happy every time I'm yes. with her. Do y'all do events a lot together? She does Fresh Ground of Faith with me. Oh, good. Not every, okay. Yeah, not every single one. Yeah. But yes, that's how I've gotten to know her. And I think she's brilliant. Oh, I love it. Okay, mm-hmm. sorry. Back up. You were saying how I can learn how to um, cite uh, makes us oh, feel like we have control. Yes. Okay. It does. Because suddenly we think if we can see it, we can fix it. We can understand it. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's an illusion. And you know that. Right. There's some <laughs> things in your life that do not make sense and will never make sense. Yep. There is so much in your life that you cannot fix. You can't fix other people. You can't fix your past. You can't fix any of it. Right. right. And so I think with blindness, it has pushed me toward having to recognize that and affirm that every single day mm-hmm. and let go. Mm. So how can you do that? You know, if you can really literally see, yeah. but yet you still want, really want to walk by faith very in a very spiritual sense is to grasp loosely. Um, what is it, Micah uh, 6, 8, I think? Yeah. You'll correct it on the show notes if yeah. I'm wrong. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but the scripture says that he has shown us. Yeah. Oh man, oh woman, what is good? Yes. And what the Lord requires of you. I want to know what that is, right? Mm -hmm. And he says it's that we do justly and we love mercy. And this last part is how I think we do it, how we walk by faith, is we walk humbly with our God. Yeah. And that image in scripture is that we are literally, we're not lagging behind him like he's dragging us through life. We're not in front of him, so he Mm -hmm. follows us. And we're not beside him giving him the elbow saying, do this, do that. Uh But we're literally, it's like walking with this retiring attitude toward God right beside him saying, I'm with you. You're the boss. I may not understand it. I may not like it, but I'm tucked right here in the shadow of your wing. And every step you take, I'm stepping with you. Mm -hmm. Same pace. I'm not Mm -hmm. getting before and I'm not getting behind. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how we do it. We just grasp loosely and we have a humble approach to our life and to the circumstances in our lives. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'll try. I'll give it a go. (laughs) And you know what? I think you reset it every day. Mm -hmm. That's right. Sometimes every hour. Yeah. Yeah. And, And honestly, Annie, I say this stuff is so much easier to say than to do. Can we just... Make sure right. we know that, right? Right. That we have to be, that's what God's grace is for. He does mm-hmm. it, He does it through us. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and we and we don't put so much pressure on ourselves. Right. We have a little bit of a Paul theme today as we've talked about New Testament scriptures, which is hilarious because people know he kind of makes me crazy sometimes. <laughs> He's just not the one I'm gonna get coffee with first when we oh get to Oh my gosh, heaven. wouldn't that be exhausting? Yeah, yeah. I just I'm gonna let everybody who really loves him get first in line <laughs> with Paul and I'll just catch him in the second so millennia or who something. Are, who are you gonna have coffee with oh, first? Oh, Peter. I adore Peter. <gasps> oh, you do, and why? Uh, I just think he's always honest. I don't think Paul's a liar. I think Paul tells the truth too, but I think Peter, just Peter is just who he is. When he shows up, that if he's, Peter's just going to do the next thing I think I need to do. I'm going to do, okay, well, Jesus, if you're not going to wash my feet, wash my whole body. Like Peter, no, like it's so sweet, but no, yeah, yeah. you know? So I think he just, I think I like him because he goes through such a massive transformation in scripture. Yeah. I like first and second Peter that he wrote. And I just am so grateful for how, the writers of the Gospels made Peter very human and likable mm. to me. Well, and he's so emotional. Yeah, he just, fe- I mean, cutting a guy's ear off. Like, <laughs> he's just the guy who's going to do the thing that he thinks to do, and, mm-hmm. and then he's going to get in trouble with Jesus later. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus is going to say, Peter, I love you. Feed mm-hmm. my sheep. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, who do you love? Who do you want to have coffee with first? Well, I'm Jesus wait- is the first winner for okay, both of us, Right, obviously. that's the answer to everything, yes, right? right. Um, I love Hosea. Yeah, okay. But I'm really into Haggai, I gotta say. I like my minor prophets. They're curious to me. 
because they spoke God's truth, some of them reluctantly. They felt the weight of the emotion of this of the choices of the people. Yes, and yes. they served. That's a big deal. Yeah. Um. I just. I, I think they're, you know, Amos can get a little scathy in his yeah. comments. I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure I want to have coffee with him first. But. <laughs> and something tells me Francine Rivers gets first dibs at Hosea. Well, probably, yes. But then we're going to get to okay. say hi. And okay, tell him. But, that's good. But if you walk up on them having coffee, she gets a few minutes. I, I'm she's, definitely. She is probably the reason I care about that story. Aww. Right? Because right. of uh, redeeming, redeeming love. love. Yep. What makes me bring up Paul is in in 2 Corinthians 1, 6, I had never seen this scripture before. I'll, I'll read it to you, and I'd love for you to respond to what you think about it. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. Mm. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. Mm. I mean, it kind of feels like that's why we do our job, right? Yeah. And you know, that's the hard part. And I remember many, many years ago, this has been 30 years ago, Mm -hmm. starting in ministry, there was a, a friend of mine, really an acquaintance, um, and we had connected somehow. This was long before the internet. Yeah. And we were both doing music, okay, because I okay. started in ministry yep. music. And as we had this first conversation about it, we were saving money to record a CD, and we were traveling anywhere anybody asked. Right? Yep, that's right. And so as she had, and so I said, so tell me what's going on with you. And she literally said, well, I got this and this, and she starts naming these name brands of clothing mm. for her to wear on stage. Oh, wow. So she had her wardrobe. Yeah, sure. And that's all she had. And I remember at the time, and by the way, please don't hear me saying that with condemnation. I'm not. Because sure. for me, it was a teaching moment. Like, wait a minute. Well, number one, I thought, oh, crud. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing mm-hmm. <laughs> this same dress I wear every weekend. Right, right. Oh, listen, I have three shirts. <laughs> exactly. And we rotate. Right, exactly. But what it taught me is this importance of that ministry really is not about having the fancy wardrobe. Mm-hmm. It's about living the reality of what you teach, and it's about experiencing it. And that's the yeah. hard part, because like even now I'm writing a Bible study on Haggai, and it's interesting how even now I am experiencing something I never expected um, yeah. in a relationship. It's not my husband, thank yeah. the Lord, yeah. but in a relationship where there's been some betrayal and some accusation, and some opposition, mm-hmm. and it has blown me away. Yeah. And it has taken, this person has taken it to a level that I would have never expected. Mm-hmm. And so I'm living it, and as I'm studying Haggai, I'm realizing that these people were trying to rebuild a temple, and they're doing what they're doing for God, and they start getting accusations from their neighbors, yeah. and they're feeling opposed. And as I'm experiencing this, as I'm studying it, it's a Second Corinthians one six experience, because before I could have written about what uh, these people uh, were experiencing and teach about it, yeah. but now I'm actually getting to live it and experience the hardship of it, so I can feel it. Because if I'm feeling, I know someone who's going to read that book is going to feel it, yes. and I'm going to be able to minister into that in a way with genuine empathy, not just sympathy, because I genuinely care. Yeah, but that's different than saying I know what this heart-crushing hammer feels like. Yes. And I promise you, just like it says in Haggai 2-4, you can take courage and you can Mm -hmm. do the work because the Lord is with you. But then what does the second part of that verse say, Annie? Right? That we're comforted? Yes. So that we can give the comfort? Yeah. And I think it's because if you live 364 days over the hardship 
and only one day of the comfort, you don't have much from which to give right. comfort to others, right. right? That's right. So God gives you the balance. Yeah. I believe he gives us those green pasture days so that we've got some rest right. from which we can draw and lavish that upon others and yeah. nourish others. I'm like you, I'm kind of a word nerd about mm-hmm. the Bible. And I loved that it said, if you tell your story of distress, God gives comfort and salvation. Mm. If you tell your story of comfort, he gives endurance. Yeah. And I thought, okay, then I need to make sure when I'm telling my stories to my friends in real life around a dinner table and on Instagram and in books Mm -hmm. that I'm telling the distress story and the comfort story. They both matter. Because it gives two different things. It sure does. The distress one gives comfort and salvation. The Mm -hmm. comfort story gives people endurance. And I love that because it reminds them that, yeah, there are sunny days and God is present within your heartache. And so that's why you keep pressing on. Right. I love that. that cool? I'm so glad you taught me something oh my today gosh. about well, that. Thank you. I love that's that. That's 100 to 1 then for I what you taught it. me. But I know I love I, it. that verse just jumped out to me today of like, oh, if I'll share the harder parts, that's where salvation comes for people. And you know what, too? Sometimes, because Paul says in there, it is for your sake that I suffer. Yeah. Which sometimes we think, <laughs> okay, gosh, Paul, you're so full of yourself, right? Yeah, right. Um, but that's I don't think problem. that's much what he's saying. No. I think what he's saying is that whatever you're facing right now, that hardship, you can endure because you know it's going to do something for somebody else later. And there's some people who need to hear that right now, that this is not just a pit they're falling in so they're going to die and drown. It's so that others can see this is the goodness of God. This is how he restores. This is how he pulls you out Mm -hmm. of the pit. Mm -hmm. And so it gives a little more meaning to those really hard moments. Yes. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so glad I got you. I'm so grateful you were in town and we could sit down and do this. Well, you're one of my favorites. So it's fun to meet you face to face. I know. I feel the same way. I hope we're on the same stage sometime soon. Me too. Just so we get to be in the same place again. Yep. Um, And I'd love to learn from you in that continuing that teaching way. Um, Okay. So our last question we always ask on the show, because the show is called That Sounds Fun. What sounds fun to you? What do you guys do for fun? Oh my gosh. Okay. What do I do for fun? I don't know if other people will think it's fun. That's okay. Okay. That's what makes it great. Okay. So my fun, here's my fun moment. If I can have a thin crust uh-huh. pizza. Oh, yeah. Okay. Recently, it was fig and brie and bacon. Oh, yeah. Okay. If I can have that while I'm sitting on the deck and it's 72 degrees and the breeze is blowing and the wind chimes uh-huh. are chiming, and then I finish that pizza and I have some Verona Starbucks coffee Okay. with some Godiva dark chocolate while... I am listening <laughs> to an audiobook. This is like an Apostle Paul okay. sentence, okay? Yes, no, I While love it. While I am listening to an audiobook um, written by C.S. Lewis, it can be anyone. Okay. And no one wants me to do anything for them and has no questions for me, and my phone does not ring. That sounds funny. <laughs> You have the entire experience ready to go. Yes, I do. Okay. I like that. That I bet there are a lot of us, myself included, that that sounds really fun. <laughs> I'm allergic to dairy, so I'll trade out your brie for goat cheese. Okay. We but can the do rest that. of it, I'm in. Hey, and it'd be twice as fun if you did it with me. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay. Thanks for being on the show. Mm. I'm really grateful. Me too. Oh, friends, isn't she just amazing? I just was so, yeah, honored is the word that comes to mind. I'm so honored that we get to have her on the show today. She has tons of great resources, a couple that we talked about on the show that I think you're really going to love. So make sure you check her out. Give her a follow on the internet. Tell her thanks for being on the show and how much you enjoyed it. 
And just in case you didn't know, though I am not traveling and speaking at all this fall, there is one little exception to that, the Come to the Table Tour that is heading out in about a month. Every city still has tickets. A bunch of the VIP meet and greets are sold out, but we still have tickets. Go to cometothetabletour.com and see if we, Angie Smith, Danielle Walker, and I are coming anywhere near you. We would love, love, love to see you there. So thank you guys for how much you share the show and pass it around to your friends. I bet some of your friends will love this episode too. So if you get a chance to share it, do that. And if you can leave a review and rate the show, that means a lot too. So if there's anything else I can do for you, you know, I'm embarrassingly easy to find Annie F Downs, F as in fields, because we talked about sheep and shepherds and fields, Annie F Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. I think that's it for me today. Friends, go out and do something that sounds fun to you. And I will do the same. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll see you back here Monday with, get ready, Priscilla Shire. I know, I know. We are we are undeserving of these kind of shows. Trust me, I know. But you're going to love this one. We'll see you Monday with Priscilla. <laughs>